Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing today? It's good to see you on a time change weekend. Did daylight savings time begin or end? I can never remember. It ended? Fall back. I hope everyone enjoyed their extra hour of, I was going to say prayer. Man, see where your guys' head's at. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Um, yeah, it's good to, good to be here today. Really quickly, I just wanted to uh, piggyback off of Pastor Jason, what he said about the veterans. Um, I, I kind of mentioned this around Memorial Day. I, this is really important to me that we distinguish between these holidays and that we don't water down. And what I mean is Memorial Day has a specific group of people that they're honoring. Veterans Day has a specific group of people they're honoring, and then Armed Forces Day has a specific group of people they're honoring. If you don't know what the difference is, Memorial Day is honoring people who died in service to our country, right? Armed Forces Day is to honor those who currently serve, and Veterans Day is to honor those who at one time served but no longer serve. So if you served at one time, our mil in one of the branches of our military, I want to ask you to stand really quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. Just stand really quickly. Yes. Awesome. Can we give it up for those who stood? Jerry's standing. Um, thank you. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for your service. Like, I love, I love and enjoy the freedoms we have, and it wouldn't be possible without men and women like you guys. Like you, Jerry. So thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Love you guys. Um, I just want to say a real quick prayer uh, for, for you guys and for all the veterans today. So, so join me in prayer if you would, please. Father God, today we honor our veterans. Men and women who, who gave their best when they were called upon to serve and protect our country. We pray that you will Bless those who selfishly or unselfishly served in the continual struggle to preserve our freedoms. I pray, God, that you would keep them close to you today. Bless them abundantly for the hardships that they faced, for the, the sacrifices they made, for their, uh, for their many different contributions to our country over victory of, uh, or through the victory of, of tyranny and oppression. We, we respect them, we thank them, we honor them. We're proud of them. We pray that you watch over all those special people and bless them with peace and happiness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again, veterans. We love you. We love you. Um, we have been in a, a series going through the book of Romans, and we're going to continue that today, um, and we're going to dive into uh, a larger chunk of scripture today. Um, we're going to cover uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 30, through chapter 10, verse 21. It sounds like a lot. Um, it's about 24 verses, so, um, but, but it's really meaty. It's really good, so... Um, just stick with me, I promise. I promise, like, the Lord's going to do some, some good things today. So, But before I dive into that, I have a question. Has anyone here ever played the game, not it? Sean's, Sean's shaking his head. If you've, 
I think you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever played the game Not It, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you think I'm crazy, it's not hard at all. This is not it. Somebody throws out a general statement. Hey, I need some help with this thing. All you got to do is yell, not it, first, and then you don't have to do it. <laughs> that, that's it. And it's like, it's funny, like there's an un unwritten rule with this. It's like respected. Like you yell not it and, and before someone else and like, oh man, and then they go do that thing or whatever. Like uh, it's, it's kind of crazy, but it's, it's cool. My brothers and I were really good at this game. Uh, and my mom hated it. Um, hey, I need someone to take out the trash. Not it. Right? I need someone to do the dishes. Not it. <laughs> and it got to the point where me and my brothers would yell not it simultaneously. And then we'd argue over who said it first. And we'd argue to the point where my mom just got fed up and was like, fine, I'll do it. You know, like that kind of thing. So she hated this game. It's alive and well, though, between me and my brothers still. We're not together often, but when we are, not it still happens. So um, if, if you've never played that game, um, I, feel, I feel something for you. Um, can, I be, can I be real today? Is that okay? Yeah? Okay, here's, here's kind of my motto. I keep it real or I don't keep it, okay? Like, I'm not going to give you a fluff. Uh, I'm going to be honest. And if I'm honest today, I think Christians unknowingly play this game of not it. The Lord is saying, who is going to tell lost people about me? Who is going to give hope to hopeless people? And the church, the big C church, the body of Christ, right, is largely yelling out, not it, hoping that someone else is going to do the job. What is our role in the salvation of humanity? What is our role in the salvation of people? Our role. Um, what part do we have to play in bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to hopeless people? What, what role do we play in that, right? Uh, how, how do we save people from eternal damnation? How do we do that? Can we? Who can be saved? Who can even be saved? Today I want to dive into our main text um, because I think our main text that we're going to go through today answers all those questions. So we're going to dive into that, but first pray with me if you would. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that um, it would open our hearts and open our minds today to your truth. And um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would lead us into that truth. You're the only one who can. I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that you would lead us and guide us today. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. Turn it on if you have a digital Bible. Romans chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 30. Romans 9, verse 30, and we're going to go into chapter 10, verse, uh, all the way to verse 21. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty unique. You, you don't see many people like crossover, crossover chapters, but it, uh, chapter 9, verse 30 through, 21, through 10, verse 21 is a, a complete thought. So that's why I'm doing it. <sighs> Starting in verse 30. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that, it, that this took place. 
But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. By faith and faith alone, we're made right in the sight of God, right? That has been a recurring theme in Romans since we started. By faith and faith alone, we are justified in the eyes of God. And going all the way back to Romans chapter 1, Paul has said that statement 13 times. 13 times he's made the claim that we're only made right by faith, that the law has nothing to do with us being made right in the eyes of God. 13 times. Now, there's a rule in literature um, that when something is repeated, then that means the author is trying to make a point. And the same rule applies for Scripture. When an author repeats something, they're trying to make a point. They're trying to make sure that the reader grasps the point that they're trying to make. And Paul is lobbying here. He's lobbying and he's trying to get us to understand that there's nothing we can do outside of faith in God to be made right in the eyes of Jesus, right? To be made right in the eyes of God. We it's only by faith. We have to grab that. We have to hold on to it. From start to finish, we're made right in the eyes of God by faith and faith alone. There is no other way to justification. There is no other way to salvation, right? Like the law can't do that. We learn that in Romans chapter 7. The purpose of the law is not to make us right with God. The purpose of the law is to reveal our sinfulness. Faith and faith alone is what justifies us in the eyes of God. Faith and faith alone is what saves us. Paul says that over and over and over. He's trying to make sure we understand trust and belief. We have to hold on to that truth and we have to hang on to it for dear life. Chapter 10, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know that I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's ways, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Here we read that the Apostle Paul continues lamenting the, the spiritual condition of his people. He continues lamenting. He continues to grieve over the spiritual condition of the Jewish people. They just aren't getting it. And it's not that they're like not smart enough or they just somehow missed it. They are choosing not to get it. They're choosing not to get it. And it grieves Paul. They refused God's way, and to this day, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. To this very day, they cling to their own way. That's arrogance. It's arrogance to believe that we know all of the things of God. And, and I was taught, and I fully believe, that when we stop learning, we stop growing. When we think we have all the answers, we are done growing, and that's not a good place to be as a follower of God. It, it, we have to be we have to continue to be learners. That's what a disciple means. Disciple means student. It means learner. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we're continually learning from him. 
And this is another instance where the Apostle Paul mentions how we're made right with God, right? In verse 4, it says, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Number 14, pay attention. He's trying to get us to understand something. He's trying to get us to hold on to this truth. Verse 5, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 9 and 10 are very popular, uh, classic way of explaining this salvation, redemption thing to unchurched people, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. If, if you struggle to find ways to, to talk about faith with people who don't believe or, or, or sharing, sharing what you believe, like this is a great place to start, right? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Openly confess and believe in your heart. That's a great place to, to start and, and help people understand. Verse 11, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the, are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed your message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. As a Bible nerd, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed Bible nerd, okay? Verse 19 is really frustrating for me to read. If I, if I like, step back and I just view it as a story... There, that's the, like, if this is a movie, the Israelites are the comic relief, the idiots who just don't get it, right? <laughs> the idiots who choo willingly choose the wrong thing, like, they're the comic relief. It's frustrating to see, God called his shot 1,500 years before this. He said, you know what? I'm going to tell you the way, the, the way things are going to be, and you're going to willingly choose something else. He called his shot. They knew it was coming, and they still didn't do anything about it. That's frustrating for me to see and, and, and kind of sobering because I don't want that to be me either. I don't want to miss the things of God because I think I know what's, what's coming, right? Verse 20, and later Isaiah spoke boldly for God saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them. 
but they were disobedient and rebellious. So in, in contrast to last week and, and what we talked about last, uh, or last time, uh, the, the sovereignty of God, right, and that, that God is in control, in contrast to that, this portion of Scripture really begins to focus on human responsibility. It begins to focus on our responsibility as followers of God. What is our responsibility as far as this gospel message goes? Because it's, it's not like somehow supernaturally it just goes out and then people, people are drawn to him, right? Like, like God is always drawing people to himself, yes. But, but we play a part. We have a responsibility in this thing. And that's what this portion of scripture is kind of focusing on. Human responsibility, and that kind of explains Israel's predicament. They missed it, and it was their choice to miss it. Israel insisted on pursuing righteousness their own way rather than following God's way. And because of Israel's arrogance and insistence of doing things their own way, God had to use people that he didn't initially choose to accomplish his plan. Gentiles. And if you didn't know, uh, a Gentile, according to the definition of Scripture, is a non-Jewish person. So I'm a Gentile, according to the definition of Scripture, you're Gentile. Like, that, that's all that means. God had to use people outside of the Jewish nation to accomplish his mission because they chose not to, to get it. They chose to, to do their own thing. Personal responsibility is, is a really important thing in this matter. Um, and today there are a couple of pretty important truths wrapped up in this portion of Scripture that I want to dive into a little bit further. Um, the first truth I want to look at today is this. Salvation is for everyone. It's really important to understand that. Salvation is for everyone. Joel chapter 2 verse 32 says, but, to, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel is an Old Testament prophet. And in chapter 2, verse 32 of Joel in the Old Testament, he says this. And the Apostle Paul directly quotes this when in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That was a quote from the Old Testament. And when talking about salvation, the Apostle Paul says here that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. Nationality has nothing to do with it. Race has nothing to do with it. Salvation is for everyone. Everyone. God loves people. God loves humans. He doesn't love a specific nation more than another. He loves humans, and his desire is that no one should perish 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Again, this is the exact, this is the exact point I made a few weeks ago. Race has nothing to do with it. Nationality has nothing to do with it. How we are brought up has nothing to do with it. Our socioeconomic status has nothing to do with it. God loves people. His heart is for people. He wants to see people saved. This is one of the reasons that um, foreign missions is so huge in the assemblies of God. Um, just, I want to give you a couple stats really quickly. Um, over 367,000 churches in the Assemblies of God worldwide give to foreign missions every year. 367,000 churches give to foreign missions. Why? Because they understand that salvation is for everyone. Listen to this. In 2021, $232.7 million was given by Assemblies of God churches to foreign missions. 
Why? Because those churches understand that salvation is for everyone. Every 54 seconds, one new believer is added to the body of Christ because of foreign missions. Why? Because they understand that salvation is for everyone. There are 2,640 people in the assemblies of God who have made foreign missions their lives. They have sold everything here and they've gone to another country to go live in another country and tell people about Jesus because they understand that salvation is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. Now, these stats, they're just about the assemblies of God. There's also Baptist missions. There's also uh, Methodist missions. And there's also uh, Lutheran missions and non-denominational churches that do have missions. Like, like, why? Because it's understood that salvation is for everyone. This us for and no more mentality should never be a thing inside the church should never be a thing because salvation is for everyone. God loves people and his desires that no one would perish. And I would argue that these stats are true um, because as a Christ follower, as a Christ follower, what breaks the heart of God should break your heart. What breaks the heart of God should break my heart. The things that God cares about, I should also care about. Because when you love God, you begin to care about the things that he cares about. What does he care about? He cares about people. He loves people. He wants everyone to be with him. Salvation is for everyone. Does your heart break for the lost? Does your heart break for the forgotten? Does your heart break for the broken? Are you concerned that there are countless people walking around today that are on their way to hell? Does that concern you? If we call ourselves Christ followers, it should concern us. We should be concerned about that because our Heavenly Father is concerned about that. In uh, 2016, Robin, Titus, and I took a vacation took a vac- kind of vac- vacation. Uh, it was, yeah, it was vac- we went to go see family. That's what you do when you don't have a ton of money, but you want to get away, right? You go see family. Go stay with family. So we went down to Dallas, Texas, and went to stay with family. And um, it, was, it was fun. Like, we got to hang out with my family. We got to hang out with her grandparents a little bit, that kind of thing. But one day, we just decided, you know what, the three of us, me, me her, and Titus, because this is before Ezra was born, we're going to drive to Waco. Texas, which is about 90 miles away, and we were going to go visit the Magnolia Silos. Now, if you don't know what those are, they're owned by Chip and Joanna Gaines, the HGTV superstars, right? Like, <laughs> um, it was awesome. It was, it was really cool, too, like, to go see, but we decided, you know what? Those silos are really close. We're going to go do that, and so we did. We drove down to Waco, just the three of us, and uh, we parked downtown somewhere, and we walked to these silos, and I remember really, really clearly, Robin and I are walking, Titus is in a stroller, she's pushing the stroller, and we walked by this lady, this homeless lady, sitting on the sidewalk. Uh, this, this is a true story. Um, homeless lady sitting on the sidewalk, she looked really, she was older, she looked really worn down, she looked just like kind of, like life was kind of winning, right? That, that she just really looked down. And um, we walked by, and I just felt instantly a check in my spirit. Like the Holy Spirit was saying, 
go back and talk to her. So I told Robin, like, hey, I, I need to go talk to this lady. Robin understands, you know, she's like, okay. So she keeps going with Titus. And I walk back, I take $5 out of my wallet, and I sit down on the concrete right next to her. And I'm just sitting next to her, and I look at her. If, if I, I asked her what her story was. And if you've ever had any one-on-one -on -one time with me, you know that's what I do. So um, <laughs> I, I asked her what her story was, and she didn't, she didn't really say much. She, she wouldn't look me in the eyes. Um, but what she, like when she was done talking, um, I just looked at her, and I said, you know, as valuable as this $5 probably is to you, I, go, I think you are so much more valuable than that to God. Like God sees you as so valuable and he loves you and he wants to know you. And I'm sure she's heard, she's heard this before, you know, that kind of thing. Like she's probably had people preach to her before and all that. But I just really felt, I really felt like compelled to share that with her. And, and I just wanted to be obedient and, and the, the, point, the point I'm trying to make was, like, I got to pray with her and, and that kind of thing. Like, it was, it was, it was a cool moment. Um, I, don't, I don't know what ended up happening to her or anything like that. But the point I'm trying to make was, like, I was on vacation. I could have easily just kept walking and just, you know what, this is time for me and my family. But this, like, this faith thing isn't just something that I do. It's not just a job right? It's, it's like, I, like my vocation is like pastoral ministry, right? It's not, this isn't just a job that I do. It's who I am. So when I'm on vacation and I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me, hey, go share this message with this person. I have to be obedient because salvation is for everyone, right? And, and this isn't about me, and I love what my heavenly Father loves. So even when I'm on vacation in the middle of a family moment, the mission is still important. That the things that God is asking me to do on his behalf are still important because salvation is for everyone. And this isn't just something that I do. It's who I am. I love what my heavenly father loves. and I care about what my heavenly father cares about. My desire is that we would all feel that way. That, that his church would, would feel that way as a whole. So that's the first truth, truth today we need, to, we need to hang on to, is that salvation is for everyone. That the, the things that break the heart of God shall, should also break our heart. That the Lord desires that no one would perish, that no one would go <laughs> be sent to hell. That's his desire. This leads me to the other truth that I want to examine today. We are God's plan for salvation. We are God's plan for salvation. We are God's plan for salvation for the world, the church. The church is the hope of the world. We are God's plan. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15 say, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is, this is the only proof that I need to know that like 
faith just doesn't randomly happen, right? That people don't just randomly show up at church, you know, like that God's plan has always been for his people to reflect him to the world. That's always been his plan. In Genesis, when God created human beings, it was for the purpose of reflecting God to the world. In Genesis 12, when God called Abraham, it was, it was because he wanted to take Abraham and his descendants to use them to reflect him to the world. And now Paul says this, This is proof to me that we are God's plan for salvation. We are God's plan for salvation. Not that we save anybody, right? I don't, I don't, I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody. But we are the instruments through which God does his work. We are God's plan for salvation. He doesn't need us, but he chose us. And he chose to use us to accomplish his mission. Um, at my, my old church in Nebraska, in, in Nebraska, I was the campus pastor of the location in the Beatrice, Nebraska area. And Beatrice is a little town, but I was the camp, you know, we were the campus pastors there. And um, I, I had this conversation one day with this, this, this sweet lady who attended church there. She'd been attending that church for about 30 years and just sweet lady is having this, this conversation with her. And she, she said this to me. Um, she goes, you know, Pastor Ryan, I just, I pray every day that God will grow our church. And I was, <laughs> I don't know, that was the wrong thing to say to me. Because I'm like, I said something that challenged her. And it like, it kind of shook her a little bit. I said, you know, you shouldn't pray that God would grow the church. You should pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you to be his witness. Because he wants to use you to grow the church. And she was like, taken back. She's like, because she's almost, she was like 65 at the time. She's like, her entire life, she had only ever heard like that somehow people are mysteriously drawn to the church supernaturally, and that's how churches grow. We're the plan for salvation. God wants to use us to draw people to himself. The book of Acts, in my opinion, is very clear that God gives his followers the Holy Spirit to empower them to be his witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to be my witnesses everywhere. That, that's the plan. That's the plan. If we want to see this city come to know Christ... We have to embrace the truth that we're his plan for salvation. If we want to see this church's influence grow, we have to embrace the truth that we are his plan for salvation. We have to. Have to embrace it. We can't just just sit around praying, God, grow our church, grow our church. I think, like, when we do that, God is saying, like, okay, go. (laughs) I want to grow it. Go. Go. We, we have to get off our hands as well. We have a role in this. Now, don't, don't hear me saying we shouldn't pray. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. I think prayer is vitally important. I think the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Right? I believe all of that. I believe it should start with prayer. What I'm saying, though, is that we can't, we can't just believe that our work is done when we're done praying. That's when the work starts. <laughs> We're in this cosmic battle between good and evil, and we have a role to play in it. We're not supposed to be on the sidelines. We're supposed to be in the trenches. And we shouldn't make the decision for somebody. Uh, they, I don't think they'd like our church. That's, 
I mean, you think about it, you just made a decision, you just made, kind of made a decision with spiritual ramifications based on their preferences. Uh, I think our church is too far away. Let them decide that. <laughs> Let them decide if our church is too far away. Don't, don't make the decision for somebody. Give, give people as many opportunities as, as they can have to respond to the Spirit of God calling them. We're not supposed to be on the sidelines. We're supposed to be in the trenches. And, and this, this whole idea makes me think of this verse in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, then I heard the Lord asking, this is the prophet Isaiah, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. This was the prophet Isaiah's response to God saying, who's going to go tell my people the truth? Who's going to go tell my people that they're acting crazy? Isaiah's response is, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. Send me, I'll do it. God doesn't tell Isaiah, hey, I'm sending you. He asks, who am I going to send? And Isaiah volunteers, send me, I'll do it. And God sent him. I believe this should be our example on how we should, we should view our role in God's kingdom. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in, them, in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? God, like Isaiah, send me. Send me, send me to the lost, send me to the, the forgotten, send me to the broken, send me to the marginalized, send me to the downcast, send me to the depressed, send me to the hurting, send me to the hopeless. God, send me, send me. That should be our prayer. Not just simply, God, grow our church. God, send me. Send me to bring hope where there is no hope. God, send me to bring love where there is no love. Send me to bring grace where there is no grace. God, send me. The two truths that we have to hold on to today, salvation is for everyone, God, and we are God's plan for salvation. Worship team, you can come to the platform. When we learn to embrace these truths, when we learn to, to live in these truths, that's when I believe we'll begin to see God move mightily in this church, in this city, in this state, in our nation, when we begin to embrace these truths. God's plan to bring hope and salvation to all people is, is you. His plan to bring hope and salvation to all people is, is me. It's It's us. It's the church. Like I said at the beginning, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. It kind of sounds heavy a little bit, like it puts a lot of responsibility on us, but here's, here's some good news. God never said that we'd have to do it alone, right? He gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses, to help us do that. So that's, that's really good news, right? And here's some other good, here's, here's some more good news. We can't lose if we're on his side. This is God's mission. It's not your mission. It's not my mission. It's his mission. And if we're doing his mission, we're on his side, we can't lose. We can't, that doesn't mean we won't, that doesn't mean we won't see people turn us away or reject our message or shout us down or what, that's, but we won't lose. When we're on his side, we win. 
Salvation is for everyone. We are his plan for salvation. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that you chose us not to sit on the sidelines, not to, not to just be spectators. God, you chose us to be in the game. You chose us, God, to, to be in the trenches, to get our hands dirty, to, to, to fight in this spiritual battle. I pray, God, today that we would begin to understand the, the gravity of that that responsibility, that we would begin to perceive, God, the weight of, of what you've called us to do. And God, we would begin to take it seriously and we would begin to lean on you for empowerment. We would begin to lean on you for, for love. We'd, we'd be able to love people out of the overflow of your love for us. We'd be able to have grace for people out of the overflow of your grace for us. That's what I'm praying for today, God, for myself, for this church, for all the other churches that are meeting, God. I pray that you would empower all of us as your body to be on mission for you, to bring salvation to the world, to bring hope to all people. We love you, God. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Really quickly, um, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know what it's like to, to have that burden that your heart breaks for the things that, that breaks God's heart. You, you, you grieve for the things that grieve God. Maybe you don't know what that is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, today could be the day where everything changes for you. Today could be the day where you say yes to God and you, you turn to him. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 put it really easily. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. You'll be part of his kingdom. You're, you're, you're taken out of darkness and you're adopted into his family forever when that happens. That could be yours today. If that's you today, you, you, you're, you're here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want, if you want me to pray with you um, and and. Today can be a day that changes everything for you. It changes everything. Um, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you today, I just want to make this a, a, a private moment or a person, yeah, personal private moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. If that's you today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to have one. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. One, God loves you so very much. Two, it's time for you to come home to him today. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Raise your hand high so that I can pray with you. This is what I want to do right now. I want to lead us in a prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, whether you're online or in person, I want to lead us all in a prayer. And I want to ask everyone in the house to repeat after me so that nobody feels like singled out or anything like that. So um, if you would please repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I confess that I've sinned against you. And today I'm choosing to repent. Today I'm choosing to turn to you 
Your word says that if I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart you were raised from the dead, I will be saved. I'm doing that today. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Lead me, guide me, speak to me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? I love that. I love it. If you did pray that prayer today and you, you made the decision to start following Jesus, don't like leave without saying something to somebody. We don't want you to do this journey alone. Like go see um, someone at the welcome table. Um, they have resources to put in your hands so that you can get started off on the right foot. If you're online and you prayed that prayer to receive Christ today, welcome to the family of God. Um, let us know somehow so we can get resources into your hands. We, we don't want you to do this thing alone. We want you to, again, get started off on the right foot. So this is what I want to do right now. Um, I want the worship team to lead us um, in a response time. They're going to they're gonna lead a song that you that many of you have probably never heard. Um, you can sit and listen to it. You can pray. You can um, sing along if you want to. Uh, the, worship, or the prayer team will be available for prayer. Um, but let's take, let's take a few minutes and let's just respond to the Spirit of God and, and what, what His Word had to tell us today, okay? Let's, let's not rush out. Let's take a few moments. It's just going to be a few moments. Let's take a few moments and respond today. So stand with me if you would, please. God, that's our prayer today. That's our prayer today. God, I want to embrace the truth that salvation is for everyone. I want to embrace the truth that we are your plan A to save this world. We are your plan A to bring hope to all people. God, speak to us. Root that inside of us, God, that we might live from that truth from this day forward. We love you, God. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just really quickly, before we dismiss, uh, a few next steps. Um, something to take the message and tangibly apply it this week. Um, this week I will memorize and pray Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. Easy, easy memory verse. Um, memorize it and pray it to, uh, this week. This week, I will share my faith story with an unchurched person. This one might be difficult for a lot of uh, introverts. I myself am an introvert. And um, when, I think about, when I think about something like that, just naturally, I'm like, <laughs> I kind of like freeze up a little bit. But it's not about me. This isn't about me and my comfort. It's about embracing the role that I play in the kingdom of God. This week, I will share my faith story with an unchurched person. And this week, I'll invite someone to come to church with me. It's a really, a really easy way to introduce somebody to the gospel, a really easy way to, to introduce somebody to God. Just bring them to church. Those are the next steps this week. Um, I want to challenge you. Pick one. Just just pick one. Pick one and, and really go after it this week. Really, really pursue it. 
and, and I'll, I bet you'll see God do some mighty things through it. So one last, I want to pray one last time over you, and, um, and we can be dismissed. Finally, go out in, into the world in peace. And in Christ's name, be, be the humble who make other people proud. May you be the poor who have riches to share. May you be the weak who, who help others be strong. May you be the empty who overflow with loving kindness. And may you be the treasure of the grace of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for being here, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.